This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Digital Commerce Partners. We deliver strategic content marketing and SEO services where your digital business wins. Every online business needs traffic, but the wrong traffic is worthless. And if you're paying for traffic that doesn't convert, it's worse than worthless. What you want are qualified prospects primed to purchase your digital products and services. Digital Commerce Partners offers a strategic approach to traffic that helps your business win big. Finally, a content marketing agency from Copyblogger. Since 2006, Copyblogger founder Brian Clark has been teaching creative content marketing and effective SEO. And we've practiced what we preached, building an eight-figure bootstrapped software, online education, and hosting business. Now, you're the one with the great digital products. Maybe an online course, a virtual community, or a SaaS product. And you've got tried and true sales funnels that convert the right people into customers. It's time to fill that funnel. Not with any old traffic. You need your type of people. Our strategic content marketing process will bring them to you. Now you can spend time on product development and not traffic. New customers are the lifeblood of your digital business. And yet, it's the quality of your products and services that will ultimately determine your level of success. As your prospect pipeline partners, the return on investment will be clear. Your existing offers will be more profitable and you can focus on developing new products and growing your brand. As the agency slash production arm of content marketing pioneer Copyblogger, Digital Commerce Partners works with you to deliver the prospects you need to succeed. Let's explore how we can help your business win. Go to digitalcommerce.com and click the button to find out more. We look forward to working with you. Once again, that's digitalcommerce.com. Hello, and welcome to the Copyblogger podcast. My name is Tim Stoddart. Thank you so much for joining me. Too often, young entrepreneurs jump headfirst into industries and markets that have cutthroat competition. How many of you are dreaming of starting the next TikTok or the next Facebook? But more often than not, the million dollar business idea is sitting right outside of your front door, waiting to be discovered. Local service businesses are the lifeblood of our economy. They are also the easiest and most opportunistic entry points for aspiring entrepreneurs. In this episode, I sit down with successful entrepreneur Rohan Gilks, and we go in-depth on the tactics and strategies you need to start building your local business right now. Rohan got his start by building a multi-million dollar cleaning business. Now he helps other aspiring entrepreneurs do the same by teaching them the model he used over and over again. This localized model works outside of cleaning businesses and can be applicable to any business. In addition, Rohan has stepped out of the local market to create a SaaS company of which he exited with partners. In this conversation, Rohan and I talk about where the opportunities are in local SEO, in local markets and local marketing, why this is the best place to start and how these small industries have such tremendous upside. Rohan was a great guest. I loved our conversation. I enjoyed speaking to him. You will learn so much from this interview. Now, please help me welcome my new friend, Rohan Gilks. Rohan, welcome to the show. Dude, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So I start every one of my podcasts with the same question. The background photo of your Twitter bio, it says, each week I share guides and case studies on building million dollar businesses from scratch. Just tell me about your background photo, what it means to you, what message you're trying to get across. Yeah. So for me, I've been building random businesses for like the last 10 years and I've gotten four of them to over a million dollars per year. And so I feel like I have, I have like this experience that I could share with people because, you, you know, like when I was starting out, I learned everything I learned about building businesses online. Copyblogger is one of those sites that we talked about and, and a couple other blogs that would read them every day. So I feel almost like I have this almost a duty to, to share my experiences as well for the next generation of people coming after me. So that's, that's what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned Copyblogger and thank you. You know, obviously I'll take the, uh, <laughs> I'll take the shout out, but what were some of the other blogs that were really influential to you? Absolutely. So there's this guy, Shoe Money, and he would blog about local marketing a lot. There was another guy called John Chow, and he was more like um, affiliate marketing, more, more like regular affiliate marketing work. And then there was um, SEO Moz. Sure. Learn about content marketing. Yeah, so you're, you're old school like me. You still call yes. it SEO Moz. Yes. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. So between those three or maybe two more that I can't remember, that's where I spent all my waking hours trying to figure out how to make money online. Yeah. All right. So I'm curious about this then. It sounds like you and I, I'm projecting here. I'm, I'm going to take this thought that I have and assume it to be true. But it sounds like you and I had a similar experience. You saw this opportunity. You saw this wave of content and like possibilities, right? So before you had that, let's call it white light moment where you said, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I can, I can build businesses online. What were you doing before that? And, and how did this actually come into your life? Yeah, man. So I was an accountant, believe it or not, for like 10 years. So I worked in accounting finance from like 2000 until 2011 or so. And in like the last two years of that, I just became obsessed with people making money online. I was like, wow, like, it's possible to build a business where you're not, you don't have to go buy real estate or you don't have to have a $500,000 loan. Like, how is this stuff possible? So I started just becoming obsessed and I would try all these things. Like I tried eBay affiliate marketing. I tried um, some regular affiliate marketing from, from sites that I found. Anything that required very little money to start because that's what I had, very little money. And I would try it. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept going and failing, but I was amassing this knowledge over time. So when the right opportunity came along, I was like, yo, I had these skills and, and I just went with it. And now things come a little bit easier, not easy, but a little bit easier now because I've been through it so many times. Well, what was that right opportunity? What, what was the thing that finally started where you're getting some wins under your belt? What was that experience like? Yeah, so the, the first thing that actually worked, and it's so random, um, my home cleaner at the time, the lady that, that, that would clean my home on, on the weekend, she wanted me to build her a website. So I was like, you know, at that time, I was like, you know, I could build you a website. Her name is Pilar. I can build you a website, Pilar, but it's just going to sit there unless you know how to do local marketing or run Google ads or some type of customer acquisition work. 
And it's going to be very difficult for you to do that while also being out cleaning homes. So I was like, let's come up with an agreement where I build a website. I find customers. You continue to do what you do. You get more customers. And I charge a little bit more so I can keep a percentage for my efforts. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I put it up. I got my first client the same first day. Hmm. By, the, by the seventh month, we were at like 40000 per month. And by the end of the second year, we had done the first million dollars. And it, was, and it was all like driving it online, just all online traffic, people paying my credit cards. I wanted to make it look and feel like what Uber would look like if Uber started one of those businesses. And that was my first win that led to everything else. Yeah. Yeah, hold on. Let me stick on this a little bit for two reasons. One, super random. And I love the story. And I just, I want to hear a little bit more about it. But also, personally, I've always been an advocate for local. And every day I just see more and more and more opportunity because it feels like the internet is so crowded, right? It feels like everybody's got something and like, what am I going to do? But every single city I go to, every like industry I see, I think there's hundreds of thousands, there's like a million dollar business here if you just focus on local marketing. So I'm setting you up a little bit. I'd like you to go into a, a bit more detail if you can, like technically. So Pilar, I think you said her name was, forgive me if I got that wrong. She was a house cleaner and you two basically teamed up to drive leads and and get new customers for her local service business. Yes, exactly what it was. At the time, she had a team of maybe three people, including herself. And right now, well, I mean, to to jump to the end, now the team is um, more than 50 people. And you've done um, a little over 16 million in that time. (laughs) It's so crazy to say. But yeah, it just started with local marketing and me seeing this opportunity where most local businesses, they are not, they're either not online or or, or if they're online, they don't have a well streamlined customer acquisition process. They don't have online booking. They don't have like a very simple mobile app. They don't have credit card payments. They don't have the things that people get used to with e-commerce. And I I felt like if I could introduce those things, plus, you know, a, a nice brand and some, some local marketing that we could do really well. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, we probably hit 20 million um, in the next um, less than 24 months. Yeah. So cool. Do you still have that business? Yeah, I still have that business. It's still going. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. I just love long-term sustainable shit, right? If you spend too much time on Twitter and I'm guilty of this totally. And it's like a common theme in my podcast because all the people on my show are just people I meet on Twitter. Right. But everybody's coming up with some new tech product or some new like widget or some new dashboard, right. With monthly recurring revenue. And I I always think to myself, like if you're a carpenter, if you're a mobile car cleaner, if you're a home cleaner, if you're a, a landscaper, like why is it that these blue collar, let's call them positions, have such a hard time adapting to the digital world. I legitimately feel like if I were to start a landscaping company right now, I could completely take over Nashville in in like not a a long amount of time. What what do you think about that? Dude, it was really random, but I started a landscaping company and we did like the first hundred thousand in like seven months or something. Um, Because for exactly the reasons you said, it's almost like 
and I try to describe this to people, like imagine you were selling a product online and you were the only person with a website that worked. Yeah. And it seems like a crazy um, uh, analogy, but in a lot of cases in service businesses in, in many cities, most of them either have no websites or they have no systems at all for getting customers and nurturing them through a, a funnel, no way to close them without being on the phone. They're missing all these very, very, very simple things. No way to sign up people for recurring revenue, none of these things. So when we jump in now and we jumped in in different verticals and I've helped a bunch of other people do this and we can talk about that. Like my community now does like um, over $150 million per year in local businesses across the country um, because of this hole. And this hole is still there and, and we're making money in a bunch of different verticals in a bunch of different cities. Yeah. I want to talk about your community. I've researched to the best I can a few websites and companies that it looks like you're a partner in or you fully own. Before we get there though, let me, let me stick with this point real quick from a, a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. How, if I'm a landscaper, right? And I say to myself, okay, there's an opportunity here. Let me build a website. Let me actually invest in like an online presence and, you know, do some local listings and and just all the normal shit that we would do without thinking about it. What is that process to book clients, book customers without having to pick up the phone? Because I know local blue collar entities, maybe just even local restaurants, like a, a juice bar, whatever, so much of their time is spent interacting. And I always think to myself, wow, there's such a missed opportunity to automate the customer acquisition process. And, you know, truth be told, I don't think I would know off the top of my head how to do that. So give me like some details. You're using APIs, you're using Zapier, you're using Calendly, like what's your process? Yeah. So this actually is what became my second multi-million dollar business. And I'll tell you, so as I was, bro, your question is spot on because as I was building the first business, I had to figure out that process. Yeah. So we started to use Stripe for the credit card processing by API. We built a book and form delivered by iframe. So we, you know, we, we added the book and form to our website. When the person comes, they select whatever they want done in their home or outside their home, depending on, on how the business runs. And then we save their profile and save their credit card to their account, which is pretty normal for the like e-commerce businesses. Mm-hmm. And we go out and do the work. Um, we pre-authorize the, the credit card before we go out. So that's done through Stripe's API. And then after the service, we can upsell or, or adjust the price and then finally charge a customer at the end of the day. That money hits our Stripe account and then it runs right into our bank account. Um, and then we built like some software around how to handle the customer management and text message reminders and email reminders and um, auto automated nurturing emails and all this stuff we built on the back end. So I did all of this stuff for the cleaning business. And then I realized, hey, this is a business in its own, just all this software that I built. So I turned that software into a SaaS business. We got it up to a little over $2 million per year. And then we had a multi-million dollar exit last year. So we sold the whole thing to um, private equity company in um, Alabama. But that became my, like what you described, that process of solving that became a SaaS business that became my second million dollar company. Yeah. I might be completely off here, but is that DreamDesk? No, um, no uh, DreamDesk is, 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 my, is my newest project I'm working on. It's Launch 27. So launch, like launching a rocket. 
um, well perfect timing then first off thank you so much for for giving me that background it it seems like you and i are definitely aligned with some of those opportunities I'm, i'm constantly scratching my head about but uh, we got a little bit about about your background. We got a little bit about how you started building up the confidence and and getting some wins under your belt. What's going on these days? Like I see Dream Desk, I see uh, your personal website, and it looks like you're doing a, a community and and teaching other entrepreneurs. Like what what's your priority right now? Yeah. So the, the priority, um, the thing that I like best as I've built different types of businesses, I realize that I really like building software. And I like building software only because I feel like the exit is more predictable. So with my cleaning business, which is my first company, I kind of exited by just hiring a general manager. They run the business. I get paid every month, like, you know, regular paycheck mm-hmm. and I'm fine, right? So that's one type of exit. But with software, like we, we had a, a probably like a seven times multiple exit. And I, I like that a lot, right? <laughs> so um, building software... And along with building software, we want to build a community around any product that we bring out. So we built we built a Facebook community. We send people to to my to my um, my homepage, which leads them to a webinar, and then we essentially sell them on the idea of becoming successful by building these types of businesses that will eventually need the software. And that's exactly how I built Launch Twenty Seven, and I'm doing the same thing now with um, Dream Desk. So it, it all ties in together. I suppose, I don't know if I want to challenge that idea necessarily. I'm not a software guy. I'm a lead gen guy. I'm just good at making the phone ring. And it's similar to that because if you can control the influx of leads, like you can cash out for really, really high multiples. And there's just a lot more leverage with that. And so like, I totally agree with you on that standpoint. I suppose I'd like you to educate me a little bit more because... I mean, God, there's a new software product every day. Like who knows how many? And on one side of my brain, I think to myself, that's good because it just shows that there's still a ton of market for software and people don't mind paying a monthly recurring charge for something that's going to make their life easier. So I think, okay, there's a market there. Like there's opportunity there. And then on the other side, I think to myself, how many times are people just going to create another software and pitch it as though it's the next like Mark Zuckerberg, right? So as you're talking to these guys and gals, how how do you, I I guess what I'm asking is like, how do you instill confidence in that? Because if I were to approach that, I don't know if I would have a lot of doubts and fears in my mind saying like, there's no way that, that this little thing has a chance in this giant, giant web of software products. So, so yeah, I mean, I think what that's a really good point. So I should have, I should have said and be more specific software for local. Cool. So that's the type of software I build. And the reason why I build software for local is exactly what you said. Like most of like really, really smart engineers and software developers and entrepreneurs, they're going after, like they're thinking about, let me build the next Facebook or let me build the next mix panel or something like that. I'm saying, there's this lawn care company in Alabama that has a problem with reconciling their lawn care transactions every month. And they would pay for something to make their lives easier. So that's who I'm actually going after. Like these local service businesses, um, either by vertical 
or by revenue type or something like that, I go after these local service businesses because they still are operating like it's 1980 or 1985. <laughs> and they, they, they will buy software to move, their, move them from 1985 to 2001. So it's really local software for local businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so funny though? I mean, it seems like we're kind of coming right back to the same point, but why is it that that local businesses struggle with this so much? Like, do you think it's, do you think it just has to do with that blue collar mentality? Like, no, I'm still going to knock on my customer's doors and send them an invoice and, you know, go through the line items bit by bit. Or do you think there's like a, a cultural divide maybe where those you don't want to be stereotypical, you know, but like those kinds of people that do those kind of things don't necessarily adopt the software tech mentality the same way that other parts of our country do. Yeah. I mean, that is a really good question. And I think about it a lot. <laughs> me, me too. And, and, and I've talked to like literally, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these folks. And I find like, for the people that, that use my last company's software, like they're all local businesses like lawn care and cleaning and, and car detailing, which is something you mentioned earlier and laundry delivery, all these businesses, right? I, I talk, I talk to these people a lot and I put them in two categories. So there, I call, I call them the old school and the new schools. Mm. So the old school folks, they, a lot of them still use books, just the regular paper books, like paper, actual paper. I, like, I don't even have paper in my house, but a lot of them still use paper to track their schedule and so on. And a lot of them, they're still actually doing the work. So if they're a lawn care company, they still go out and they, and they do lawns every day. So it's really hard to be out in the field and think, you know, pushing a mop or something like that. And also thinking about, um, you know, um, sophisticated customer acquisition processes. So I, I think that's one reason, um, and that's and that, that's specific, specifically for the old school people. The new school people, because some of my community came from Reddit, they are they are killing the old school people because they come in directly thinking about, okay, how can I get Google Analytics tied in? Yeah. How can I analyze my numbers? How can I make sure that my customer acquisition cost is less than my um, customer um, lifetime value? They have all this, these skills already and they are crushing it. Um, so yeah, th- those are the two cohorts that we use that end up buying our software. And um, it's like two different human beings completely. Um, but I don't know if that gives an answer for like, the root cause for why things are how they are, but they are just how they are. And, which is just opportunity for people like, you know, me and you and other people that are skilled enough to go after it. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. And I've struggled with this as well. Um, so my, my first website was basically just a media company. It was a blog and turned into a podcast and a lead gen and all that. But off the backbone of it, I saw a real opportunity within a particular industry and that's why I started my agency. And so I'm, give, I'm, I'm telling you that story as a little bit of context to relate to some of these people in a way because I know that feeling where you want to have your hand on the work, right? And you want to be the one making a relationship with the customers and, and knocking on the doors. But just the reality is 
with software and with enterprise technology, you don't have to be that person anymore. Like you can be the CEO, right? You can sit on top of everything and manage the business instead of managing the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that adjustment is really difficult for some people, but it's exactly what I saw for myself from the minute I started. But a lot of people are unable to detach themselves from, yeah. from the nitty gritty. And I, I want to detach as soon as possible. <laughs> well, me too. Right. Because that's how, I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. I moved to Nashville basically because there was a healthcare conglomerate in here that was more or less offering to buy my agency. But I was like, nah, I don't really want to do that. I love my team. Um, for some other reasons, like my agency in a weird way is kind of like a hybrid production company that like works on all the other brands, you know? And so that's very valuable to me. But with that being said, I had a lot of interest in this, in this company. I believed in the mission and, and all that. And so I moved out here and constantly as an entrepreneurial mindset, my thinking is to constantly replace myself, you know? So you get there and you start auditing all the content on the websites and auditing the marketing and then setting up the systems and setting up the processes. And, and what happened, man, I feel comfortable saying this because, you know, I had like a really great uh, departure from the company, but there was like a month and a half period where I just wasn't really doing anything, you know, but like from my standpoint, as the entrepreneur, that's what I want. Like I want to build systems and processes and use software to put, get myself out of the equation and out of the day-to-day work. But, you know, when you're in a bigger corporate type thing, they're counting their payroll every week, you know, and they're thinking, well, what is Tim doing here? And so like, I know I went off on a tangent a little bit, but I just think that story relates a lot because it got to the point where my entrepreneurial mindset was always looking to replace myself. Whereas the employee mindset, I suppose, which I didn't have is always looking for a way to like continue to be useful so that they can stick around. And eventually I just totally worked myself out of the job. (laughs) That is the biggest win ever. Right. The entrepreneurial mindset is the way to go, right? Yeah. I mean, I am definitely grateful for it. Um, Yeah. All right. Great. So we, we've, bounced around a lot. Um, I want to talk more about your personal community, though. Uh, I I wanted to talk a little bit about what you've done and some of the companies that you built. But as I'm on your website, uh, your personal website, it's clear that you're very, very uh, hands on with your students, I I think you would call them. What what is it that? Well, first, just tell me about your community and, and tell me what you're trying to build. Yeah, so um, so when I realized that my first um, maid, the maid service business, the first cleaning business, re- residential cleaning business was going to do well, and I was starting to see the numbers, I just went on Reddit and I was like, hey, you know, I was part of the, the Reddit R entrepreneur community for a while and I had been trying different things. And I was like, yo, um, fellas, listen, um, and ladies, listen, like, this is working. Like, and I'll show you how to do it. So I started a subreddit for them to watch me continue to build that business. And then I was like, if you, if you want, I bet you I can lay out another business just like it in 30 days and make money. And I'll let you watch me do it in real time. So that 
case study that I did became something that just um, that took off and a lot of people followed it and a lot of people jumped in and followed along and started building businesses. And those folks became the first customers of the software business that I built because if they're going to build these businesses, they're going to need software. And then that just became like a natural thing. And now it's like probably 150,000 people in that subreddit. And then I moved some of them over to Facebook. We probably got like 20,000 on Facebook. And those folks become people that I reach out to when we have a new idea for a business or a new product or service or something like that. And then we also um, have them come through through my homepage, sign up for my webinar, and I walk them through how to build these businesses as well. And those ones are more hands-on. Like we do like, like every day for 30 days. The same process that I laid out like 10 years ago, it's pretty much the same thing, more refined. But every day for 30 days, we get them on a call and we show them how to build these businesses. And we have a big launch day together, almost like a graduation. And um, yeah, there's so many people have built million dollar businesses from this. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Well, tell me about, I mean, you don't have to mention any names or anything, but I'd, I'd like to hear about some of your success stories. Um, yeah. So I think the overall success story that I like the most is when I look at the top line numbers. So because the software business was my company. When I sold it, we were doing 150 million per year um, processing for all these folks that came along and started building businesses, right? Um, and then there's like, so, so say in, in Vegas where I live, um, one of my friends, Elena, she was a lawyer. She quit her, her law firm, started doing this, and now she's doing $2 million a year in Vegas. And there's a bunch of people like that, like, oh, this one guy just quit SpaceX. <laughs> he just had over a million dollars per year. He did it while working at SpaceX. So I, I, I try to like post their, their screenshots and post their little testimonials. But I, I tell people that I think we have one of the most successful communities online because only like, like um, a few thousand people and we're racking in coming up on $200 million per year in this small little community on Facebook. <laughs> It's so Nobody interesting that you still use Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Even the way you say it, you're like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so um, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce by any means. If it's a 30-day uh, process, then there, well, I guess I just said it, then it's a process, right? But if if you had to break it down to somebody, let's say in a couple minutes, um, this is the mindset. This is your first step. This is your second step. But again, um, be as delicate as you want to be and, and, and please don't give it away for free. But I'm, I'm trying to give people a little bit of insight as to after when they listen to this, they should go to your site and sign up. Oh, yeah, 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 um, for sure. So here's what we essentially do. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to like give like the, the bare bones. Um, version of it um of course but like so we, we come through on day one and the first day we kind of just talk about mindset because for a lot of people they're stuck and i and i know that because i was stuck as well yeah i think like an entrepreneur like, like an employee which is what you just described and i didn't think like an entrepreneur i didn't really appraise risks properly i didn't analyze investments properly and, and returns and i was just lost right so we go over mindset then on day two, we kind of think about a niche, like what niche will work well for your city and what niches have historically worked well. Um, next day, we talk about what your perfect customer looks like. We don't want every customer. We want 
the perfect customer, right? Yep. So we talk about that. We we work on your website um, and set that up. Uh, your domain, what a good domain looks like for local. Um, we set up Stripe and get your integrations working. We talk about competition and how we kind of like appraise them to to to, to learn from them. They're going to tell us the, the pricing that works. They're going to tell us the brand that works, the communication that works. Your competition is like a wealth of information, right? So we talk about that. Um, we set up like their booking form so they can take customers and, and have all that happen online. We set up chat, online chat. Most local businesses don't have it. And we want to have online chat because we close probably a half a million dollars per year just by online chat from one of our businesses. So it's like, like you will be the only person in your city with online chat most mm-hmm. of the time. And it takes like two minutes to set up, right? Um, we talk about copywriting. So back to copy blogger, we talk about that. Super important. You got great copy on your website. I was I was going to bring it up, but it's it's clear that you understand the power of short, pithy, persuasive language. Bro, that's the only language that matters. Yeah. <laughs> They're the rainmakers. Like I, I can never get enough of it. Everybody always says like, what's the best thing to do? Do I start a YouTube channel? Do I like grow a Twitter following? And it's just like, no, learn to write copy. And then you just make all the money. And if you don't even want to start your own business, you get to charge whatever you want because you're making the money for people. Absolutely. Good copy you can sell in anything. It's like the path to selling whatever you want at almost whatever price you want to. If your copy is good enough, you control pricing. You control the, the how you infer value. You control so much, bro. <laughs> it's like people overlook it. I, I don't know why. Yeah, but, I don't either. <laughs> um, but so so what I covered so far is like the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we can like hire in how to how to find your pillar, how to find your first person to work with. Cool. Insurance and then marketing, and then we go over the platforms like Yelp and Thumbtack and Craigslist, and then we work all the way up to a big launch day that we have on a Saturday. And we're all together on like on Zoom and we're all like having like almost like a launch party and people have their friends over and they, they push their website out on social media and so on. So it's like a pretty wild and fun 30-day experience. Yeah, we meet for an hour every single day. Yeah. I love that. Do you guys all meet online? Yeah. Yeah, we, we do a, a big Zoom call. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I just, I, I don't want to like keep bringing up the same point over and over again. It's just really refreshing to see, so what am I saying here? There's so many times where I see young kids, especially, right? They dive headfirst into these ridiculously competitive, but at the same time, like flashy and like kind of sexy industries. And I just, I, I, every time I look around, I'm just like, go for the money, right? Like you can, like we said before, you can start a landscaping company right now and be at least a hundred grand in your pocket, you know, probably, I mean, landscaping has got decent margins too, especially now with technology getting even better and better. Like the costs of running those kind of businesses gets even cheaper. So, so there's just so many instances where I see people wanting to dive into these ridiculously competitive, but like I said, has this kind of sexy vibe to it where, you know what, learn how to use technology and build a local business and you'll just crush it. Yeah. It's right there, bro. It's like, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It is like shooting fish in a barrel. And I get the feeling of like, yo, let me get, let me find out a way to, to get my Tesla on Mars or something, right? I mean, that's a, 
That's an interesting challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everybody's following Elon Musk. That's incredible, incredibly smart man. But if you're like just a regular dude and you have like or, or a regular lady and you have like not that much money, I started with four hundred and fifty bucks. So I had no I had no way to go after after some sexy thing. I had bills to pay. Um, so if you're like that man, local is wide open. And you can build a million dollar business, multi million dollar business, and then go after the sexy stuff afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the thing, right? I remember Mike Rowe, of all people, um, that I kind of looked up to. You know, we talked about copy blogger and Brian Clark, but Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy, I yeah. always really, really um, appreciated his communication skills, both as a writer. Um, he writes ridiculously hysterical blog posts and stories on his website. And he's got this really great podcast that he does these kind of like quick five or six minute stories that, um, how do I explain it? Like you don't actually know what's going on until the very last sentence, you know, this like big reveal. Um, and he's so talented. But anyway, I remember seeing a interview with him. I think it was on entrepreneur.com or maybe business insider. One of those websites that all look like that. Right. And, mm-hmm. They said, why, I'm not going to get this word for word, but he said, don't worry about anything, your passion, your big dreams. He's like, find an opportunity. And then once you get the opportunity and you make something of the opportunity, now you can go after these, these big dreams or go after, you know, quote unquote, your passion or go travel without the stress of like, what am I going to do when I get back home? And right? Like the electric bill is due. And I always remember that. And so anytime I'm, it's not now I'm luckily in a position like you and I'm grateful for it where I can dream a little bit bigger and evaluate my risks a little bit more and maybe, you know, take a couple of shots at the moon from time to time. But even now with my experience, I still think to myself, like, where's the opportunity and how can you most easily exploit it? Yeah. I, I, I could not agree more. And I have to check out that Mike Rowe podcast. It sounds really oh, cool. Oh, it's the best. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. He's just always got these like really dirty jokes in it that are kind of under the radar. And you're like, wait a minute. Was that like, <laughs> was he like under the radar saying what I think he was saying? And then you're just laughing to yourself. It's great. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I, I tell people the same thing too, man. Um, um, I, I don't build passion filled with I, I used to in the beginning. Um, and I, I learned my lesson. I, I mean, there, there are some people that, that, that you can point to that have, you know, have done really well building passion type businesses. It's like, sure. yeah, there are people that made it to the NBA as well. And that is cool. But I wanted a way to be able to, how can I support my family now? How can I pay my bills? How can I wake up and not stress? Yep. I, you know, and, and how can I have freedom too? And that's really the big, the big part of it. Now I have freedom. Like this is the middle of the day on Friday. I, w- I would have to ask my boss for, for, um, to leave work early just to be on this call with you. Right. So how can I have freedom? And I wanted to get that. And I had to like put aside ego and passion and all that stuff, build a business that can pay me right now and then be, be able to go after whatever else I want. But now I'm, I still think the same way you do, like, now that I can actually take some moonshots, I still want to just build these like really basic, predictable businesses where I can just see money in my bank account every single day. <laughs> I'm still stuck there <laughs> and I don't mind. 
<laughs> well, that's exactly it. Like, I don't mind, right? I always think of uh, this concept. It was when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was like the only thing about this book that I remember when I was uh, much younger. I don't even really remember how old I was. It was on the subway in Philly, where I'm from. And he finally broke down the difference between a liability and an asset. And he's like, no, an asset puts money in your bank account and a liability takes money out of your bank account. And so now it's like every decision I make is like, is this an asset or is this a liability? And a lean, local, profitable business that puts money in your bank account is what you want. I mean, am I so crazy to think that that's a good thing? (laughs) (laughs) A lean, lean local business. Yeah. And I love that you put it that way too, lean, because people ask me, like, like, how, you know, how do you deal with this and that? We have no offices. We have no cars. We have no heavy equipment or machinery. We don't have any of that. We're, we're essentially running a marketing business from online. So that's why I live in Vegas. My business is in DC, but my business could be in Japan. It doesn't matter. Um, and that, that's, that's why we build the way that we do lean, local. And we still have um, freedom to be anywhere in the world that we want to be. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild, man. It is pretty wild. And, and that's so cool. I feel really grateful for that as well. So I started my agency in South Florida, mm-hmm. but now I live in Asheville. Um, my partner, a few of my partners and some of my best friends live in Columbus, Ohio. I got a web developer. And these aren't people that I hired. Some of them are, but the most of us came up together and like built all of this together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, David's in Boulder, Colorado. Tori lives in Rhode Island. Trisha still lives in Florida. Jeff lives in Indianapolis, right? It's, it's so cool that I don't have an office to pay for. I don't have vans that I need to run or a bunch of overhead. It's why I'm always so, again, confused where I feel like I'm seeing something that people aren't seeing because what, what's the knock on these kind of businesses, right? Is that you're overwhelmed with work and you get burned out. But to me, it's like I'm managing my company. I'm not managing my employees. And for an agency business, I, I think we can fairly compare an agency business to like a local lawn care business, whatever. It's still got the same kind of client service model. If you do it right, you don't get burned out at all. In fact, if you do it right, like the bigger you get, kind of the less that you have to work. And for an agency, I mean, our margins are like 60%, which is <laughs> great, you know? And so, um, again, I'm just scratching my head sometimes thinking like, what am I seeing here that other people aren't seeing? You, you just dropped something there that I, for, for the listeners, I want them to, 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 to not miss where the more you make, the less you have to work. People, people get that wrong a lot. <laughs> they think the bigger your company is, the, the, more, the more work is the other way around. It's the other way around. The bigger my company is, as it, as it became bigger, it just allowed me to be able to afford more people to, to, to remove more tasks for myself. Now I, I work maybe one hour a month in that business. Maybe, and that's probably being very, um, uh, <laughs> very generous estimate of how much I work in that business because I hired a general manager, I hired some person to hire, I hired um, my operations person, I hired customer service, I hired my website person. So we have a full team, and they're all over the country as well that you just described. 
and I'm able to hire myself out of um, any day-to-day activity except just making sure that nothing falls apart for the most part. Yeah. And I, my money hits my bank account every single month. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's a beautiful story too. Um, I felt like I was talking about me a little bit too much during this podcast, but let me kind of take a break and just say like congratulations to you on all your success and your hard work and your, um, your eye for opportunity. That's, that's a great story and I'm, I'm happy for you. So congrats. Uh, thank you, man. And, and same to you. I, I know it wasn't easy. Like whenever I see an entrepreneur that has pulled off something that, uh, that's, that's just wild to me, like you literally own Copyblogger. That is insane to me, right? <laughs> I'm like, I know that the path to get there was, was wild. It wasn't some like easy thing where it just fell in your lap. Like there was a path and a process and a struggle and so on. So congrats to you too, man, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's start wrapping this thing up. Um, you've been very gracious with your time and I really appreciate it. I, I suppose what I'm thinking as you're telling me like how tight everything is going right now, this is usually when at least I sometimes make the mistake of wanting to do more, right? When I should just you know, fucking like sit on my couch and not get in the way and not break stuff. Right. But now that you, uh, you seem to have your operation running smoothly, where, where, where are you dreaming about? Right. Are you looking to take this thing and just expand upon it? Are you looking to create new enterprises? What's, what's the thing that you're dreaming about when you're staring up at the sky? Yeah, man, what a brilliant question. So I have my, my five-year plan, but it, it really ends at five years. So I want to be. I want to be done with. It's a goal. Like it's a goal to be to just be just retire in five years, and be done and just travel the world. So what happens in the next five years to make that happen? I want to grow the software company and with a goal to getting it to about ten million dollars per year in that time, and and then look to have an exit that that you know it's probably ten times or nine times multiple or something along those lines and sell that software company to um, a PE firm or, or, or some other firm that, that wants those customers and wants that revenue stream. But that's the goal, focusing software, which essentially is focusing on community because yeah. take me nurturing that community, building it, telling more stories, put, pushing out a bunch of content. Like I'm, I'm sure that you're, you, you know how valuable that's gonna be, doing a bunch of webinars, writing more, just, becoming more omnipresent online, building that community, getting people on, on the software and then exit in five years and then go, I don't know, feed the whales or move to Barbados or something. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. I don't believe for one second that you're going to retire and actually, <laughs> I don't believe that for one second, my friend. No fucking way. <laughs> All my friends said the same thing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, all right. Great conversation, man. I'm so happy that we got to, you know, etch out 50 minutes to an hour, um, to get to know each other. I'm in Vegas like once a year. So hopefully, uh, I just got my second shot today. You know what I mean? So as soon as that casino comes my way, I'm, I'm in the table, I'm in the mosh pit, I'm ready to go. So, um, hopefully next time we take a, a family trip out to Vegas with, with the crew, um, love to meet up, get together, maybe have a cup of coffee or something. That would be awesome, man. Just let me know, man. I, I, I love being in Vegas, by the way. So 
I, I will be here. So just let me know. Excellent. All right. So real quick before we go, um, RohanGilks.com Twitter profile is Rohan. Oh, it's the same thing as your website. So I'll link all of that uh, in the show notes of, uh, of, of this episode. And then anything else that you want people to know about? Um, no, that's, that's it. Um, Twitter is where I spend most of my time and then my website. And then um, just in general, I just want people to be like, yo, man, listen to this Rohan guy. I'm like, people may think that like when they see people that have kind of figured something out, yeah. they feel that this, this person is like super special in some way, right? But I was born in Barbados. I, I literally grew up in poverty. I, I moved to the U.S. by getting a scholarship. And um, I was able to get a job at an accounting firm. And I worked there for 10 years. Just a regular person working a regular job, but trying to find a way out of that. And it took me a couple of years to do it. But um, just know that wherever you are right now, the internet is there, man. Um, with the internet, you can do whatever you want. All the world's information is on there. So don't feel that this is unattainable. It's just I just woke up and started working. And that was it. Uh, Rohan, I love that, man. Uh, I really do. And I think that'll appeal to a lot of people because my story is exactly the same. Uh, so, all right, man, let's wrap this up. Once again, congratulations for all your success. RohanGilks.com. It will be on the show notes of this website. And uh, we'll do this again, man. Thank you. We'll talk right. soon. Let's do it.